Between the Covers, a series designed around who and what can be done and achieved by patients, planning and working in a community of like-minded, successful people. This podcast series is for anyone looking at becoming a successful published author and those looking to understand the mind of a writer and the goals of a publisher. Proudly sponsored by Shoreline Publishing. Welcome and enjoy. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining me. My name is Bradley Shaw. Thank you for listening to Between the Covers. Today's guest is Robert Barclay, the author of The The Girl in the Orphanage. Hello, Robert. How are you? Hi, Bradley. Good to see you again. It's been a while. It has been a while. We were just talking about the weather offline. It was, uh, we we're just saying it's winter, very cold. But, um, Robert, tell us, everyone listening, tell everyone about the book, uh, what they're going to expect when they read this um, this new series, new part, isn't it? The second part of second the part, series. Second part. It's a standalone book, but it's the second part. Yeah. Um, it's the story of two women, mother and daughter, two Chinese women, very westernized women, uh, a bit quirky. And they're kind of unlikely heroes who find themselves confronting some of the, I guess, the greatest social evils of our time. And this this second book is their confrontation with child sex trafficking, built around a story of a young uh, Cambodian girl, a story set in Cambodia. Wow. Okay. Now tell us about the, the research for that. Did you did you spend time in Cambodia? Did you get an authenticity of the, the country, of the culture? Oh, in, in, yeah. Indeed. Well, mm. as, you, as I think you know, I've lived in China for many years anyway. Yeah. Uh, but Cambodia is very dear to my heart. It's a place that I've visited many times. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, the, the girl in the story, I've called her Chabby, but it's a real person. Mm-hmm. Um, although a certain novel and the imagination has been thrown into it, I know this young girl. I've yeah. supported her for many years. Mm-hmm. And I spent time there. I run a charity in Cambodia helping traffic kids. Mm-hmm. So rather than write historical books about the issues of trafficking and rainforest degradation and all this kind of stuff. Mm. I I wanted to create some unlikely heroes who would sort of represent and deal with these issues and bring the awareness of these issues to life through the stories of two, I think, pretty remarkable women, Katie and Clara. Wow. Yeah, no, you've done that very well too, and that's the thing. I think there is that element where you sense you know them or you know of them or the people that influenced you in the, in the story writing. Um, was it difficult, I guess, in the, today's age, modern times, too, to, to investigate, understand and, and, and explore the trafficking of, of the sex trade still going and um, things happening? Well, I, I picked Cambodia firstly because I know it and I've spent mm. a lot of time there. Um, Cambodia up until quite recently was the child sex trafficking capital of the world. Yeah. There, there were hotels there where pedophiles could go, book rooms, and rent children. Wow. It's been cleaned up a lot, but this story is set just after those times. Yeah. It's still going on. Yeah. Uh, a lot of it's underground. Uh, a lot of the young kids, we're talking five, six, seven-year-old kids here. We're not talking yeah. teenagers. Yeah. And there's a lot of backstreet trading still going on. The pedophiles still turn up. And, um, mm. and I dropped these two girls, Katie and Clara, into this in pursuit mm. of what happened to um, Katie's husband, Simon, yeah. who at the start of the book, I think if you read the blurb, he yeah. gets murdered in Cambodia. Mm-hmm. So they go off on a quest to find out what happened, and they uncover this web of political uh, in, intrigue, 
and drug trafficking and child trafficking, and they get involved with it. They meet a few people, helps along the way. And they set out to solve the riddle of Simon's death and along the way discover Chappie and her story. And that becomes the, 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 the plot of the book. Mm-hmm. I won't tell you what happens towards the end. <laughs> uh, Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, it's been a fun story. They're unusual heroes. They find mm-hmm. themselves in very, very strange situations, and they seem to rise to the top. Yeah. They're quite a westernized pair of women. Yeah. Um, but they do carry 5,000 years' worth of Chinese baggage with them. So they're constantly coming across the traditional uh, role of Chinese women, but they're living very much in a westernized world. Yeah. So there's very much cultural clashes all the way through. And they find themselves dealing pretty much with men, which is a complete reversal of Chinese women's role in life, has been for the last thousand years. So there's, there's lots of subplots going along in the story about how they deal with the men they have to deal with, uh, how they immerse themselves in things they know nothing about, yeah. and how they seem to float to the top. Um, the sort of a quirky sense of humour and a smile and uh, uh, a decent sense of humour about the whole thing. Yeah. So there is humour through it. It's not all tragedy and death and dying. Well, yeah. that's, that goes on. And it's a very difficult subject to write about. Yeah. I, I've tried to sort of encapsulate in these two women uh, a sense of humour and a kind of quirky way of looking at things. Yeah, yeah. So it's not a story that's going to make you cry on every page, but it does raise the issues. Yeah. And the girls have fun as well as getting themselves immersed in fairly dramatic things. Yeah, no, that is, and that's something you pick up in the books very naturally is the humanness of the characters. And as I said, you, you simply have a, a fondness for them, but also an understanding of them, which which gives you a, as I said, the voice of the narration very strong. Um, yeah, influences. So tell me about the, the writing process for you, Robert. Uh, mm-hmm. The breaking down of this story, just in its plot, is quite, uh, as you say, convoluted. They're going through certain stages, certain people, certain uh, experiences. Did you have to plan out uh, the series or are you doing a book by book and bridging the books into the series? As you say, they can be standalone, but did you still have to know that, what was your writing process in, in the whole thing for it? Well, the, the, there's a there's a backstory to all four, and it's really the involvement. I don't want to get too historical about it because they're not history books, but there is a history behind the books, and that is the evolving nature of China. So the books of the books started back with the diary book, the first book, back, and there were three generations of Chinese women, and there was the traditional. Katie's mother, grew yeah. up in very traditional times, mm-hmm. and they're all descended from the last empress as well, so they're kind of a rich family. And, f- and there's the tradi- traditional side. Katie grows up in the revolutionary times, mm-hmm. and her daughter grows up post-revolution, so she's, she's the sassy New Age China girl. So we have these three interesting women in different stages of Chinese history, and they kind of reflect what's happened in China. Mm-hmm. But we see it through their eyes and and their conflicts. So the books were all about some social um, some social evil mm-hmm. they find themselves confronted with. And the it was interesting because the uh, the, the Butterfly Dynasty series itself is quite a recent addition. It was a suggestion made to me by uh, a reviewer. And the Butterfly Dynasty 
over the four books basically traces the lifestyle of the butterfly. So we had the first book, for example, where Katie's born, so here's the butterfly coming to life. The second book is the butterflies basically exploring the world first up and get and finding the dangers and the highlights and the and the joys and the tragedies of stepping into the world. Mm-hmm. And and the third book they bloom into butterflies and so on. The fourth book becomes the end of it. So I had the whole thing planned in my head as, as four different books. But I think the idea of encapsulating the whole thing into a series of four brings everything together very, very nicely for me. Mm. And it provides a start and an end. And it and because I had so many stories I wanted to tell, the idea of making it kind of a, a contiguous series where one was finished and the next one could pick up the theme. Mm. So at the end of the first book, as you know, Simon was was killed. Um, so it picks up where they go searching for his killer in the second book. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had it all in my head all the way through. And not to say that it's mapped out completely now, but I know I know where it's going. Mm-hmm. And I'm 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 seeing the I'm seeing the girls evolve as I write. The third book's almost finished. So I'm seeing these girls evolve, and I must tell you, it's enthralling doing it. You, you, you invent these these women at the start, and you know their lives. I lived in China, so I know a lot of things that went on with, for example, Katie's childhood in the first book. But seeing them evolve, um, I could quite easily write five and six and seven books about these women but and introduce <laughs> new characters with each one. The second book brings in a couple of new characters, a couple of Western characters. There's a... There's a um, it's rather a gruff reporter gets involved in the story as well. Um, and he comes and he goes and he appears in the next book and so on. So the depth of the characters of the two women um, evolves as we go along. We learn more about uh, what drives them, the issues of their culture, which are hidden, which slowly emerge as, as the stories emerge, as the series evolves. Mm-hmm. And I think I think the readers will be interested, hopefully enthralled as well, mm. by the evolving and the revelations that go on about the personalities of these yeah. two they, as they meet and they involve themselves in different situations, yeah. in, love, in love affairs and tragedies yeah. and in growing and moving into different cultures and so on, yeah. constantly butting up against their 5,000 years of history. <laughs> yeah, they're the only ones going through it. Mm-hmm. Everybody else, they're, they're, they're dealing with the westernized people or Cambodian yeah. people and so on who don't really understand where they're coming from. So there's all this kind of byplay that goes on between two women trying to find their way in a new world and, and dealing with some fairly significant issues as well. So the, the, you know, there's intrigue, there's love affairs and so on. Wow. There's, a, there's a couple of falling flat on the faces times as well. <laughs> so it's your general life. So, it's a, yeah. it's a joy to write, <laughs> and the, the, the storytelling about. Uh, I think there's very little, Bradley, that's been done telling stories about Chinese women, mm. and you know that, that's been a special joy for me doing yeah. that because yeah. I understand it, and I, I have nothing but admiration for Chinese women in general. 
yeah. you know, a thousand years ago, a hundred years ago, they were they were male property. They had bounds. Yeah. Uh, they were sold and traded and murdered. And yeah. Married dozens of them to one person. This was only a hundred years ago. Yeah. Mm. Um, we had the one-child policy when if there were young girls in the countryside, they were often drowned because they mm. wanted boys. And yet even now, we have Chinese women basically leading the world in mm. ways which is the most incredible story to tell. You know, we have female astronauts, we have musicians, writers, and so on, yeah. unheard of 50 years ago. Yeah. And there have been some amazing role models from Katie's and Clara's ancestor, the old mm. empress, through the Sung sisters, um, through the other changes that have gone on over the last 100 years. And I'm yeah. trying to bring all that together in the personalities of these two women. <laughs> yeah, let's yeah, keep, it, I, I keep it simple. That's the way to do it, isn't it? I mean, geez, you, and you couldn't put much more <laughs> into these women, I don't think. They're uh, very complex but very intriguing. And as you say, they're, they're butterflies, they're blooming, they, they're, they're growing in every sort of page or every episode of the, the, the yeah. stories. Um, so from that perspective and having um, invested all of that energy and effort into the, the plots and the writing. How's the, the feedback? Have you found the feedback for both the books now with Katie and um, the girl in the orphanage? How those, what's your response been from your readers so far? It's, it's clarified a lot of things for me. The, the feedback and the reviews have been brilliant, to be honest. Um, mm -hmm. the, the people that have posted reviews for me uh, back on my website and um, on the yeah. shoreline as well. Um, it's, it's given me great encouragement that people are getting what the stories are about and enjoying the characters. Now, that's great for me. Um, what is especially interesting is that the, I, I think I suspected this. The, the stories are, if I, if I read the feedback and look at who doesn't, um, women enjoy the books. Mm. Um, far more than men. I, I've got no feedback from any male person at all mm. um, about the books, but I've had um, probably dozens now, I think, yeah. of, of emails and people who have posted comments about the books, and they've all been women, yeah. and they thoroughly enjoy the story. Do you think that's an empathy element of the women's, women's journey, women's challenges, the emotional I mean, not the situations, but the emotional elements I understand more in the women's conflicts or the women's growing. I, I, I think it is, you mm. know, and, and I've been asked a couple of times, I think you may have asked me once before, mm. you know, how can a man write about women? Yeah. Um, well, the, the short answer is um, I actually do the writing, um, but I have my editor, Samantha, is, yeah. she's brings yeah. her female perspective to it. I have a daughter the age of Clara, and she makes sure that whatever Clara says, it fits with what a 30-year-old or 25-year-old ought to be saying. Yeah. And my beta readers are women. Yeah. Um, I send off chapters to them all the time. So yeah. I, I think I'm getting a female's perspective, even though it's a male that's writing the stories. Yeah. I think we all have a female side anyway, yeah. as well as and, having a male side. Okay. Um, and it seems to come across well and relates well to women, and they seem to enjoy the stories. And I, th I think also that there's a place to write stories that include strong women overcoming mm. adversities, you know, floating to the top and coming yeah. then 
doctors and confronting issues which they shouldn't be confronting. Yeah, I, I have a feeling that appeals to. I think that appeals to women generally, mm-hmm. and it, it seems to be the, the readership that I can tell so far. The women probably mid twenties up to about seventy. Mm-hmm. They seem to really enjoy it. Yeah, and I I have a, a couple who, who buy the books for their book club. Uh, they're basically middle aged women who circulate books amongst their friends and they yeah. say nice things. So I'm I'm delighted a with the response, b with that people enjoy what I write, yeah, get involved with the characters, which is the most exciting thing for me. Definitely, definitely, and that's that's part of the writing process as you as an author to to get that feedback and to to have that sharing knowledge that the stories are important or affecting or inspiring or helping other people uh, to enjoy their time and recreation. So you've done a great job putting their stories together. Um, and just everybody listening, if I may, just to say uh, these books are available everywhere the books are sold. Uh, you can go into your bookstores and ask them to order them if they haven't already got them. You can also grab them online anywhere that you purchase your books and have them delivered um, and also through Shoreline Publishing. So please do support Robert and independent authors and in their ventures to getting their stories out there to telling the world. Uh, Robert is, as you can hear, very passionate about his writing. He's got other books in this series coming up very soon. I think the third one's scheduled for next new year, I think, isn't it? Is yes, it, it, yes, it yes. is. Yep, it'll, so it'll, and it'll be finished. It's yes. um, it continue, continues the thing. <laughs> Only we're not in the child trafficking. We're doing yeah. and, and it's great. It's great that you've got this element and this 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 uh, saga, I guess you'd say, or the story that is evolving through these beautiful women. Uh, and well done to you, Robert. Congratulations on these books and um, on the thank first you. two. And uh, everybody listening, thank you for joining Robert today and uh, for joining me. And we look forward to more um, conversations with our aspiring authors. But, um, Robert, thank you again today for your time. My pleasure, Bradley. Thanks again. And everybody listening. Thank you. Thank you for supporting independent authors. Stay well, stay healthy, and, um, yeah, keep reading. Thank you very much for your time. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Between the Covers, produced by Shoreline Publishing.